0: Good morning, everyone. Oh, man, you guys sound like little rays of sunshine. So awesome, man. Thanks for being with me this morning. Not that you had a choice, Um, but it's good to see you guys here. And I just want to go ahead and start our time together with this. You guys have it tough. And I'm not talking like, Walk in to and from school, both directions, in the middle of snow with no shoes on, tough. You guys don't have it tough like that. But you guys got it tough. Because the world that y'all live in is constantly moving and changing and evolving. There's always something new. When I was in your seats, information did not duplicate at the rate that it does Now. There were opportunities for me to unplug. There was a status quo that kind of stayed the status quo for my entire four years at high school. For you guys, it seems like things change on a moment's notice. For the adults in the room, I feel like we are in a constant state of pivot. And some of you students probably feel this way as well. A constant de- uh, stage of decision-making. And some of you might even be in a spot right now where you feel like you're in decision-making fatigue. Like you've been constantly on edge trying to keep up with keeping up. And you feel tired. And you feel a little run down. And maybe you feel a little anxious because you don't really know what tomorrow is going to bring. And so these things well up inside of you because you, you feel this sense, this desire that you have to be on top of all things, that you have to post the right things and say the right things while all the while not saying the wrong things. And it's exhausting. And I don't need you to agree with me. I don't need you to raise your hand because I think I'd be willing to bet in some way, shape, or form, every single one of you feels this pressure to a certain extent because of the reality of the world that we live in. This morning I want to talk about a God who walks alongside us if we allow Him to walk alongside us in this world of uncertainty. I told you guys that this place, I love it a whole bunch. This is, this is like my Disneyland up here. Every chance I get, man, I want to make it a way for me to come up here. I love the woods. I love what God does in and through the ministry of Hume, changing people's lives and changing their eternities and changing their realities as they get separated from a world that's barking for their attention. To interact with a God that's wanting to speak to them through a whisper up here in the mountains, it's awesome. It's beautiful. I was up here in June of 2020 and Hume in in at June of 2020 was was different than any Hume Lake experience I've ever had cuz there were no campers. It was like eerie for my wife and I to walk the main drag here right by the general store and there not be a thousand Campers, you know, half wearing one color, half wearing the other color, like an angry flash mob, snapping at each other, ready for recreation. It was weird for that not to exist. And we walked the street and we were like, Where is everybody? Right? We came for my wife's birthday with our two boys and we came for just one night. And I really wanted to make the most of it. And so what do I do as dad? I look for memorable moments with my sons. I love trying to have these intentional investment moments with my kids that create these experiences that we can look back on, that our relationship can grow through, uh, and that, that you know when they're adults sitting wherever they're going to be sitting in their 30s, they look back and you go, you know what? Dad wasn't all that bad. He did this, and he did that, and I knew that he loved me because we did these things together, and he said these things, and when I fell, he was there, and so on and so forth. I love having those moments with my boys. And so I'm sitting here, June twenty second, twenty twenty, up here at Hume Lake, and I'm like, I'm gonna create some experiences with my kids. And one of my favorite things to do with them uh, is fish. I love to fish with my boys. And I had never gone fishing with Cannon. Cannon was two. He's about to turn three in August. Now he's four. It's crazy. Uh, but he was two years old, and 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 Hulk baby was in full flex, man. He is a mile a minute, and he's fearless absolutely 100% fearless with an iron will there is no stopping this child and that causes fear to kind of well up in mom and dad especially mom because she doesn't know how to speak that language me I get on his level a little bit but I'm like we're gonna go fishing guys we're gonna do this thing so we go over to the meadow ranch pond how many of y'all been to meadow ranch pond where the blob's at okay I'm trying to create a picture for you guys So that dock that's on the backside of the blob that's kind of like not really around anything, that's our fishing spot. So we start tossing lines in the water. I've got Cannon's pole. He's two years old. He doesn't know what to do. And Gunner's got his line in the water, and we're fishing. And Cannon gets a little boop, a little nibble. (gasps) Another little nibble. My little two-year-old's like this. He's like watching the line move. He's like, Dad. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I half think that he's going to dive in the water and try and like bite the fish. But I'm like, just wait, just wait. And we start reeling, we start reeling, we start reeling. And the dude caught his first fish. I knew it was hooked, so I handed it to him so that he could have the joy of reeling in his first catch of a fish. Yeah, man stuff, right? And so he reels in this fish, and it's a whopper. It is this big. Y'all, y'all got fishing stories like that? I caught one this big, guys. It was like this. All right, it was a tiny little bluegill. And uh, he catches it, and he is so excited. But Cannon, my fearless child, who's not afraid of anything, all of a sudden I, I take the pole from him, and this fish is flapping around on the line, tiny little fish. And I see this fear come into his eyes. And I'm like, what is that? That doesn't belong in you. What? And I start, I start to see my 2-year-old back away from the fish back away from the fish. And I'm like, what is happening? And I look at my wife and I'm like, hey, Shay, Shay, get a picture. You know, daddy, daddy, son, fishy time. Come on. This is awesome. We got to document this thing. Put this on Instagram, right? This is a capturable moment. And so I try and get closer to my little buddy and, and, and he keeps backing away. And I come come here, Cannon, come here. And I keep moving the fish. It's still just dangling there. He's probably thinking, put me back in the water, dude. And, And Cannon keeps backing up. And I'm like, bud, bud, come here, come here, come here. And he keeps backing away, backing away, backing away. You know what happens when you go fishing on a dock and you keep backing away? Eventually, you run out of dock, right? And so I'm backing, or I'm coming up to my kid. I want, you know, father son fish picture. And he wants no part of fishy. And he keeps backing up, backing up, backing up, backing. And then eventually, he steps off of the dock. My little two year old, his foot falls off of the dock. His body then slams into the dock, and he bloop right into the water. And I do this. You're going to think I'm a really good parent in this moment. I run up to the front of the dock and I do this. Oh my God. And I'm just looking. Because, as you know, pond water's a little bit murky. And I'm just looking for any sign of my not so buoyant two year old. I'm like, where is this kid? And I'm thinking to myself, dude, I know that I got to get up in there and get this kid, but I also don't want to crush my little buddy by jumping my ginormous person off of a dock and onto my two-year-old. So I'm looking for some sort of sign of my little buddy. So I'm on the edge, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking like, where did that dude disappear to? And then all of a sudden, my wife, the voice of reason in this moment goes, get him! And I'm like... Okay, yes, ma'am. And I just, you know, I've got shoes on, wallet in my back pocket, cell phone. I just leap into the water. And as I'm flying through the air, my heroic leap into the water. Lord, please don't let me crush my two-year-old. I fly into the water. As I'm hovering above it, I see the bottom of his tiny little Nike shoe. It was neon green. And that was all I could see underneath the water is his little Nike shoe floating there. And then I go, oh sweet, avoid the Nike shoe. So I land right next to it. I snatch that little buddy up out of the water and I bring him up like this and he's blah, blah, blah. he's crying all over the place. And I hand him up to my wife who has this look on her face at me, not him, of how dare you. <laughs> my baby! And so she she has no words for me, and I'm in the water just head low, like that is not my best dad moment. That is going to create some memories, not, they are going to be memories I'm going to have to pay a professional for later. And so my wife has him in this blanket thing, and she's letting him cough it all out, and I'm just in the water like, Oh, man, please don't hate me for the rest of your life. And she goes, How are you, Cannon? Are you okay? Are you okay? And Cannon, in his little two-year-old face, looks at her and goes, Daddy saved me. And I'm like, Yes! Hallelujah! Please remember that for your entire life. Daddy saved me. And I was like, Oh. Yay! Dad points after all. I have not taken cannon fishing since then. <laughs> There's a passage in Ephesians chapter 4. Because this feeling that we're all feeling of a world that's topsy-turvy and upside down and uncertain and ever-changing, that's not a new feeling. You know, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun, which means what you feel now, people have felt before. There's been this tumultuousness of this world that, that is impacted by the results of sin and by the decisions of sinful people. There's, there's been this feeling in this world that I've got to measure up to this standard or I've got to abide by, by this principle or I've got to do this or say this or act this way to be accepted. And this world throws this idea at, it, at us and it causes these reaction pieces in us, whether emotional or physical, whatever it may be. Ephesians chapter four says. Because of Christ. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Remember, we have a God that is both grace and truth. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ Jesus this feeling of of being an infant tossed back and forth is not new to us. It's familiar to us, but it's existed. And what our heart's cry has always been and will always be and what I believe is today is to know that we have a God that we can look at and go, Daddy saved me. Not just from one instance in my life, but in every single day of my life. See, it's really important that we understand that God speaks. God speaks in the midst of uncertainty. He speaks in the midst of an ever-changing world. Now, he may never come to you and go, Kevin, I want you to buy Cool Ranch Doritos today. No, he's not going to do that. But he speaks through things. Oftentimes in my life, he speaks through community. I'll be praying and I'll say, God, I need you to show up for me in this way. And lo and behold, that very day, Someone that I do life with that knows me backwards and forwards, knows my successes and knows my failures, is able to speak into my life because the Holy Spirit spoke into theirs. He works through this thing called the church, and he's doing just as he has always done, no matter what condition the world is in today. Look, his heart for you and for I has not changed. He has a good and perfect will for each In every single one of us. And so this morning I want to look at that. I want to look at his will for us. Remember last night we talked about how Christianity is different from any other religion that we experience. Every other religion is what do I have to do to earn my way to God? What do I have to do to get to God? While Christianity is, this is what God has done to get to us. God has a will for us when we accept Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, when we are made new by his righteousness, when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, which if you've ever given any thought to that, that is something that will forever boggle my mind. Jesus says, look, being with me is good, but when I leave, there will be something far greater. To sum that up, he says, look, God with you is good, God in you is better. And when you say yes to Jesus, you're promised that the Holy Spirit would indwell you. God gives His Spirit and places it in you so that He can explain to you through His Word and through prayer and time alone with Him exactly how valuable you are to Him, how much He loves you, and really what His will is for you as you walk around in this ever-changing environment that we know as the world. The first thing that God has for us, that He wills for us, is that we would know Him. It's really hard to have a relationship with someone that you do not know, right? Can we agree on that? It's hard to have a relationship with someone that you do not know. How many of you guys got a cell phone? <laughs> okay, everybody's like, yeah, all right, cool. How many of you guys get calls about your auto warranty? Okay, right? So when you get that cell phone call, more often than not, mine comes through and it says something to the effect of, this could be a phony call, right? This could be someone trying to sell you something. This could be some sort of fraudulent thing. It gives us a warning on our cell phone. You're tracking with me? You guys get those warnings? I love answering those phone calls. Now me and the other person on the other line, we have no form of relationship whatsoever. They, go, they don't even know my name, but yet somehow they know my auto warranty is about to expire. It's incredible. They're really good what they, at what they do. And so we have no form of relationship whatsoever. I answer the call, hello, who's this? You're supposed to know, because apparently my auto warranty is about to expire. They have got nothing. It's a straight cold call. But when I look at my cell phone and I see wifey Haas on the other side of the phone, by the way, that's what Shana Louise Haasenfuss is in my phone as, wifey Haas. but Siri pronounces it Wifey Haas. I think that's fun. Wifey Haas. when I see that she's on the other end of the line, we never start the conversation with who is this. It's always like, "Hey, what's up, girl? How you doing?" If you've ever been around me when I answer the phone, that's literally 99.9% of the time how I answer the phone. "What's up, girl? How's it going?" I already know how it's going. She's going to tell me how exhausting Cannon is, and, and she's going to tell me that, that Gunner's succeeding in school, and she's going to ask me what's for dinner because um, she wants my input on that because we both have dietary restrictions. and then I'm go, And then she's going to ask me what time I'm going to be home. And I'm going to say, hey, I love you, and she's going to say, I love you too. And then we're going to hang up the phone, and I'm going to get home whenever I do. See, we have a relationship. I already know, before I even answer the phone, the types of things that we're going to talk about. Some of us are sitting here in this world that we do not understand going, oh, God, where are you? God, where are you? And my question back to you to really wrestle with in your mind is, are you invested in that relationship? See, it's God's will that we know him. It's not God's will for us to just call upon him when things get tough. It's not God's will for for you to have the type of interaction with him like I have with the random dude on my cell phone that tells me that my auto warranty is about to expire. That's not what he wants from us. He wants a relationship where yeah, he is investing and speaking into our lives and walking through the good, the bad, the ugly, but where we're also intentionally seeking after him so that we can learn to discern his voice, so that we can learn to operate throughout this world so that we're no longer infants being tossed back and forth by all the things that this world would choose to throw at us, but we can weigh through those things because we know His voice. We're able to discern what is good and what is not good, what is holy and what is worldly because we know Him. John six forty says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. That is His will. He wants us all. I love that. It's not, oh, that, that some would do that. No, the will of the Father is that everyone would know the Son. They would look upon the Son. They would recognize Jesus not as some good teacher, not as some good rabbi, but as the visual representation of an invisible God so that they could know God's character, so that they could know God's heart. It's his desire that everyone would know him and call upon him and look to him and believe in him. And if they do, they receive eternal life. Everyone. All-inclusive statement. Look, my sons, they know me. And I know them. I know that at five thirty in the morning, every morning, without fail, Canon Hans Hassenfuss will be awake, and he will call out over the monitor, "Dad, Dad," and then I'll grab the monitor and go, "What." Can I get up? Sure. Can I play Mario Kart on your phone? No. Oh. Come in here and snuggle me. Okay. And then I hear his little feet running down the hallway, and my double doors slam open, and there he is in all of his glory. Belly hanging out. Paw Patrol undies on. He comes running over. And he jumps into bed, and he snuggles up to me real tight, and he goes, Morning, Dad. Morning, can Hey, Dad, can I play Crossy Roads on your phone? <laughs> no! That's all he wants from me. I'm only as good as my phone. Look, I know that at the end of every school day, I'm going to pick up Gunner Trey Hassenfuss from the same tree That we tell him to stand under so I don't got to wait 45 minutes in the pickup line. Go stand under that tree, bud. I'll be there eventually. Sometimes he's really sweaty and pink by the time I get there because it's taking a while. And I know that when he gets in the car, I'm going to ask him how his day was. And he's going to say, good. And I'm going to say, got anything else for me, kid? Ah, and then he'll tell me about some scholastic achievement that he's done. He's really smart. He gets that from his mama. And then we're going to talk about things, and uh, we're going to talk all the way home, and he knows that every single day I'm going to ask him who the homies are. That's my question every day. Hey, Gunner, who the homies? And he's like, Dad, come on, who the homies because I want to know who his friends are. I want to know who he's hanging out. I want to know if there's any weird quirks that he's picking up that it's going to come from one of these three people. Because those are the homies, right? All right, Mason, Bryson. Apparently my friend only make, or my son only makes friends with people with son at the end of their name, right? And so uh, maybe he's hood like that. I don't know. But, uh, but I'm going to ask him those questions. Not because I need to know the information, but because I love my kid. And I want to know how his day was. And I'm not content with good. That's not good enough for dad. It's not good enough for dad to just call out to him and go, hey, my life's a little bit upside down right now. I need you. Can you make time for me? Sure, he'll make time for you. He wants more than that. He desires more than that. He wants you to know him, and he wants to know you, even though he already does. Look, the other thing that he wills for us in our lives is daily surrender. Now, some of us don't like that word surrender. Some of us look at that word surrender and we associate it with weakness. And some of us look at the word weakness and we go, oh, I definitely don't like that. But when you look at us in comparison to God, weakness is is accurate. Weak is an okay word to be associated with. When it comes to you versus the mighty power and supremacy of God. In your weakness, Paul says it, he is strong. So I'm a boast all the more in my weakness. There was a day and age where I played a lot of games with students. Um, I was a younger man at one time, pre-kids. I got a lot of sleep. I didn't have Canon waking me up every day at 530 in the morning. Although I do love it. It's a great morning call. I slept till 7 today, y'all. I didn't know what to do with myself. But there was a time where I would be in cabins with you guys, and, and I played paintball. And I still remember the last time I played paintball. I was uh, with a group of junior hires right there on the paintball field off in that direction, and we were playing Capture the Base. So there was this bunker right in the middle, and you had to get one of your people into the base and the opposite team the only job they had was to defend their base and it was coming to the end of our time and really the paintball guys they just wanted us to use up what was left in our guns so they didn't have to empty them out so they just wanted a firing squad basically and they're like hey if you are left in the game you know scoot forward <laughs> i'm like no no I want to hang out in the back. Big target, right? Big target, no hair, bad combination in the world of paintball. Because if you've all ever played paintball before, the paintball mask covers to about here. And when you got a big old forehead, you still got quite a bit of target left to light up, all right? And so I'm thinking, I don't want to move forward. That's not like a dumb idea, paintball master. And they're like, nope, get on closer. We're going to do this thing. We're going to end this round. Someone is going to be victorious. And so I'm sitting there in this bunker. And I'm just waiting, and every now and then I lean my gun over the bunker, and I wouldn't make a very good soldier. And uh, I'm looking around, and all my little junior high homies are getting lit up. (laughs) They're just getting shot. (laughs) There's not many of us left. And finally, my junior high dude, who's like all young and heroic, uh, he comes running up, and he's like, Kevin, let's go get the base. And I'm like, you're dumb. You are obviously, obviously inexperienced in this life. I'm going to hole up, and I'm just going to wait for this thing to be over. And he's like, no, let's be heroes. The junior hires will love it. I'm like, Caleb, you are not smart. And he's like, well, come on, we can do this together. And he's from a military family. I'm from a military family, too, but I'm soft. And he's from a military family that's like all hardcore Marines. They're like, hoorah, at the dinner table. And so he's like, he's all low and stuff first off he's like four foot eleven so he's like really low to the ground and and he's making his way like ooh, like cat like reflexes and then all of a sudden I stand up and I'm like this big old lumberjack and I'm like, psh, psh, psh. I need a shield bear you know like Goliath and so I, I get to this front bunker thingy and I could see the thing in the middle and I'm like oh We could do this. I'm starting to get like amped up. Like, oh my goodness, I could actually win at this thing. This is great. And then all of a sudden, I realize that Caleb and I are the only two targets left. And I'm starting to hear all these paintballs. Pew, 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 pew. And then all the heroicness inside of me just goes, and just floods out. And Caleb goes, Kevin, on the count of three, we're going to stand up. And we're going to charge the pace. Caleb, why are you whispering? And he goes, all right, one, two, three. And he stands up and he's like, all four foot 11 of them. And I stand up and I'm like, and I pick up Caleb and I use him as a meat shield. And I just, and I'm just, and he's just like, and I'm just holding that little buddy right there like this. And I end up, Getting what I'm owed, right? Caleb falls. I start getting lit up. I'm on the ground. Everybody saw what I did, and they're just like, ah, just trigger happy, unloading on me. Oh, man, I had welts everywhere. It was intense. I could have just yelled, surrender, and it would have all been over. Sure, I would have lost, but at the end of the day, I would have been fine with that. Surrender was a word I should have used, but it wasn't in my vocabulary at that particular time. See, God desires for us to daily surrender. I read this story about a family in Arizona whose house caught on fire. And it's a tragic thing to lose a home in all the contents that are in the home and to go back into that home and revisit the rooms and remember all the memories that that existed in those rooms and were made in those rooms. But for this particular family, they were home when their house caught on fire. They had three kids. Their youngest was four. And most of the homes, for whatever reason, in Arizona are two stories. I don't get that because heat rises and there's a lot of it in Arizona. And this family... Uh, starts to s- smell smoke. It's it's in the the middle of the night, and they all run downstairs to see what's going on, and and they they get a head count and they they grab pets and they they run outside of the house and it's it's the, the fire now is hot and it's big and it's smoky, and and the, the dad doesn't get an accurate head count. It's almost like a Home Alone effect where he counts some neighbor kid that just happens to be there instead of Kevin. Kevin, right? <laughs> And so, they get outside, and they they look around, and they've got their bunny, and they've got their fish tank, and they've got two out of three kids, and the one they're missing is the four-year-old. And all of a sudden, the dad's heart sinks to the floor, and he begins to run back into the house, but the flames have grown too big, and the smoke has grown too thick. He feels powerless. He feels helpless. And then all of a sudden, he looks upstairs, and there in the window is the four-year-old. And he's crying out to his dad dad help me dad help me that that my friends is is something that you never want to hear you never want to hear your kid with that amount of panic in their voice the kid is up there in the window ledge he's got his window open and he's still got the screen intact and his dad yells at him and he goes son punch out the screen and jump and the kid in his four-year-old infinite wisdom goes But dad, I can't see you. Dad, I can't see you. The smoke is too thick. Dad, I can't see you. And the dad responds with, that's okay. I can see you. See, oftentimes in this world, we live in a response of, God, where are you? I can't see you. But friends, it's important that we never lose the understanding that no matter what's going on in the world around us, our father is yelling back at us, that's okay. I can see you. That's what really matters. See, the four-year-old, if he jumps from the window, it doesn't matter if he can see the dad. What's important is that the dad saw the kid. That's what's important. And so if you feel like your world's upside down, I understand you. That's a terrifying feeling, but also understand that in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your hardship, you don't go it alone. You have a dad that's crying out to you constantly, kid, I see you. Just trust me. Surrender. Give it all to me. Trust me in the process. See, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That word, therefore, oh, I love it. What is the therefore, therefore? The therefore is there. Because of Romans 1 through 11, where it talks about this God that covers us, that pays a debt that we couldn't pay ourselves. No matter who we are or what we've done or what's been done to us, he is calling out to us no matter what your reality is, saying, God, or saying, kid, I see you even though you don't see me. What I need from you, kid, is to trust me. See, the gospel, it's called the good news. The good news for all people. News. When you hear news, it's up to you to accept it, to receive it, and to trust it. God gave his son to pay a price that you and I couldn't pay. Do you receive it? Do you accept it? Do you trust it? Do you understand that it's for you? That it's His will that you would know Him. That you would hear His voice in the darkness. That He is for you. And what He desires for you is to surrender. The next thing, His will for us, is that we give thanks always. Why? Because God loves you right where you're at, not where you think you should be. I love that. That is absolutely crazy to me. He loves you right where you are at, not where you think you should. You should be. And I remember wrestling with feelings as a kid, inadequacies, thinking I don't measure up to be acceptable to God. i got to clean up this. i got to fix that. i got to arrange this in my life differently so that I can approach God and ask for forgiveness. That's foolishness. Toss it away. God loves you right where you are at, not where you think you should be. He recognizes that you don't have it all figured out. He's okay with that because he does. You don't have to see through the smoke. He sees you jump to him. And in doing so, give thanks always because he's crazy about you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In this upside-down world that you all are living in, I challenge you guys to have a perspective of thankfulness, of gratefulness. Instead of starting out each day or ending each day with a spirit of anxiousness, reverse that. Think about all the ways that God has blessed you, all the things that he's done for you, all the things, whether they're simple day-to-days like the fact that you actually woke up this morning. Give that back to God. Hey, God, thanks for another one. Help me live it for you and not for myself. That's an easy one. That's a home run. See, there's so much that we can be grateful for. So, back to my boys How many of you guys watched Olympics? (laughs) Man, I love the Olympics, dude. They are fun. There are so many sports that I didn't realize were sports. How about you guys? You know that? You watch the Olympics and you're like, I had no idea. That luge kayaking was a thing. And how do you get into that? Wow, I wonder what the buy-in is. I'm just looking at these sports, like speed walking. I'm so sad that that's going away. That's my favorite one to watch because these people that do speed walking, they're hardcore, man. They're running like, not running, they're walking like a seven-minute mile. And like if you've ever watched speedwalking, it's incredible. I don't know if you know the rules. Both feet can't be off the ground at one time. So these people are like, bam, 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 bam. They got this hip action that's like nuts. They probably dislocate their hips on the regular. That's how they end their speedwalking career because their hips have to go so high because their feet have to stay on the ground it's nuts i love the olympics my sons do too in my living room it's incredibly common in this season that we're in for there to be blankets arranged in rows on the ground and then for gunner to line up like this with cannon and then all of a sudden go and they take off, and they're doing hurdles in the living room. They're jumping over the blankets because that's the new hurdles, and they're competing against each other, tagging the wall. They will, are always trying to one-up each other. Anybody? How many of you guys are younger siblings? You ever trying to one-up your older siblings? Amen. It's a revolving door of occurrence in our house where our boys are constantly trying to outdo one another. We're going to look at this passage as we close out our time this morning. It's in Luke 18. So Luke 18, we're starting in verse 9, and we're going to look at two figures. We're going to look at one that's trying to outdo everybody around them, and we're looking at the other who recognizes that they got nothing to offer. Very similar to the two examples that we looked at last night of the rich young ruler and the kids that approach Jesus. So Luke 18, 9 through 14, it says, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So recognize the audience. Jesus is talking to a group of people who are confident in themselves and look down on others. All right? It says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, or adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. God, look at all the things that I've done to earn my way to you. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves exalted. See, the Pharisee thought he had it all figured out. Here's what I've done to work my way to God. And the tax collector recognizes that I am in dire need of a God who works his way to me. He cries out, have mercy on me, reconcile me. The tax collector doesn't plead his good works, but for mercy of God to forgive his sins. Imagine you had the opportunity to talk to both of these guys and hear their stories. Which one do you think is more compelling? Which one do you think you, you would empathize with or understand or resonate with? It'd probably be the one that's real, right? That's one thing that our world is really lacking right now. is people who are real. People who are operating as they are, not as they think they should be. There is a lack of genuine behavior in this world. And I think that it's really important for us to recognize as we operate in this life, because I know what it's like to feel like you have to be perfect, but yet you're never able to achieve perfection. I think it's really important to understand that Jesus doesn't require us to be perfect, but he does require us to be real. He values authenticity, he doesn't value a show, he doesn't value a persona. He values the real you. So, just real quick. Here's some challenges from me to you. Start right now. Maybe for the first time in a long time. Be real with yourself. Let's start there. That's the easiest person to be real with, but also sometimes the most challenging. Be real with yourself. Be honest about your questions, weaknesses, and struggles. You guys understand it's okay to have those. It's okay to have questions it's okay to have weaknesses it's okay to have struggles it doesn't make you less than it makes you human and it makes you in need of the mercy and grace and truth of jesus also this one you're going to be real with yourself i challenge you to be real with god be real with god the same god That calls out to you in the darkness or the thing that you're afraid of and says, trust me, surrender to me, be real with God. You don't have to be perfect. God has called you to imitate Jesus and let the spirit transform your mind daily. It's a daily commitment. In the same way that it's a daily growth opportunity and a daily opportunity to establish trust in who he is and his desire and love for you. Be real with others. This is the hardest one, in my opinion. Be real with yourself. Be real with God. And be real with others. I challenge you guys to stop putting on the perfect Christian disguise and be real, and see what happens. Surrender, be vulnerable. Some of you may be blessed with a group of people that you're able to confide in, that you're able to bounce the hard things in life off of. Awesome, grow in that. Continue to build on that relationship, but invite other people into it. To be honest, about the ways that you're still growing, changing, and even struggling with one another. It won't compromise, guys. This is, this is important to know. It will not compromise the message of Jesus that you want to share. It'll make it more real because people can identify with it. You know Jesus, you know his truth, you know his hope, but you still struggle. I can get on board with that. As I struggle through this thing called life, to know that you still face struggles but you don't face them alone, I'd like that. That sounds good. People will resonate with that message. And it's the truth. Jesus doesn't promise us a perfect life or an easy life. He promises us a life of trials and of struggles. But he also promises us that we don't have to go it alone. People need that in the world today. The fact is, guys, is the world longs for some version of perfection. Like that's even a thing. Like that's even a possibility. But what the world really needs is to see the real you. People don't need to see a perfect life. They need to see what a perfect Savior can do through a broken person. People need to see what a perfect Savior can do with an imperfect, broken person. So live it out. Live it out. Let them know of a Father who loves them right where they're at, meets them right where they're at, heals them right where they're at, and walks with them hand in hand as we navigate a very, very difficult and challenging world. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you. We praise you. You are so good. And thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for giving us your word that we can look into it, that we can learn from it. Thank you for transforming our minds and our hearts, Lord. May not a day go by where we, where we aren't completely in awe and enamored of who you are and how you work and how you guide and how you lead, Lord. You are faithful, Thank you for your righteousness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. May we grow in moments where we're honest with ourselves, honest of our need. May we surrender to you, Lord. May we not need to know all the details of the plan, but understand that you are the perfect planner that holds all the details in your hand. Lord, let us trust that. Man, thank you for these students and for these leaders, Lord. This world is challenging, no doubt. But at the end of all things, Lord, you win. And you hold it all in your hands. Let us proceed with with it with confidence in this world that we live in. And we thank you for your graciousness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.